Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Steve Jones Show here on News Radio 1070 AM WKOK. We are live here from the Sunbury Motor Studio here in Sunbury. Uh, big night on the Penn State campus last night. I, I, I know it was a late night tip for everybody. Uh, didn't tip till uh, a little bit after nine, but a big win for the Penn State Nittany Lions. Uh, took down number 11, Wisconsin, the only undefeated team left in the Big Ten. Uh, I, I got to believe it's the best combined game that Ace Baldwin and uh, Kanye Cleary have played together. Uh, you know, that's been one of the things that we've talked about on the show is how the uh, how the Lions have kind of struggled shooting uh, from the three point line. And uh, last night they were they were real good. Got out to a quick twelve two lead. Ace Baldwin, I believe, hit his first four three point shots. Uh, you know, last night and really got the Nittany Lions offense going. And once those two started going, it, it really seemed to open up things for the other guys, you know, as it is wont to do. Uh, they were able to uh, get Nick Kern Jr. Uh, moving towards the basket. I believe he had 15 points, but he fouled out, did a real good job of attacking the rim after, uh, you know, some of the, those lanes were opened up by uh, Ace Baldwin and uh, Kanye Clary's shooting. And, you know, I, it is the first time that I got a real good – chance to to spend some time and actually watch a full Penn State game and you know you've heard Steve talk a lot about the rotations uh the defensive rotations and and how tough they are but you know it's you know there was a lot of talk on on if that would work in the Big Ten and you know if some of the the higher level athletes would be able to exploit that stuff and would Penn State be able to kind of turn teams over like you know uh like Mike Rhodes did at, at other different places and you know, they were able to do that last night, you know, doubling on some of the screens. Uh, you know, Steve said, you know, it's not the same Wisconsin team. It's not the slow it down teams of Bo, Bo Ryan and stuff. But it did force them a couple times out of the out of their newer stuff and into their older swing stuff to get, get some points. Yeah, well, they turned over Northwestern. Northwestern came in averaging 8.8 turnovers a game. Penn State forced 19 turnovers in that game. Uh, Wisconsin came in at 9.8 per game. They turned them over 13 times last night. Had them nuts a couple of times, to be honest with you. Look, they shot, they shot the ball well. I mean, that helped. I mean, Wisconsin is now... Wisconsin had not lost since Arizona beat them. They won six in a row. There's one common denominator with all four of the Wisconsin losses, and Penn State did what the other three teams did. They shot 50% from the field against them. Penn State shot 
all four Wisconsin losses, the opponent shot 50% or better. And Penn State did that, including 40% from three. That's good enough. Shooting 40% from three, that's good enough. Because that part had not been good enough. They were like 26 or 27% from three in the uh, Big Ten games this season. And they have guys that can shoot it. I mean, Ace was 37% last year. Zach Hicks is a career 37, 38% three-point shooter. I mean, that's what's been baffling about some of this, is that some of the guys who have track records of being good three-point shooters haven't been shooting it well. Last night, Ace hit four, Hicks hit three, and it made a big difference in how they played. And every time Wisconsin did something, and that's because they're really good, Penn State responded and did something and countered it. And that was the difference. Wisconsin led the game a total of 17 seconds. And I mentioned in the pregame show last night, I mentioned in the show yesterday, that one of the keys to a game like this, right? what did all six playoff games have in common this past weekend? The team that scored first won the game. In other words, everybody was out there playing with the lead. When did Tampa Bay get up the lead? When did Buffalo give up the lead? I mean, Detroit never gave up the lead, even though it was a close game. Never gave up the lead. We're never trailing. And last night, Penn State, except for 17 seconds, played the entire game with the lead. And that made a huge difference psychologically for both teams. Because when you are behind... And you're trying to fight uphill, fight uphill, fight uphill. It is mentally wearing. And then you finally get to the summit, tie the game, tie the game, take a two-point lead. The other team immediately gets it right back, and you're right back where you started. And that makes such a big difference on both sides. It makes a big difference for Penn State as to how they were feeling about themselves. It made a huge difference about Wisconsin having to play uphill. And that's a good team. I mean, they beat a good team last night. And it helps that a common denominator in the last two wins has been Ace Baldwin, not just being Ace the defender. He's been that the entire time. But when he's able to deliver some offense, their last two wins over are over Michigan and Wisconsin. Ace had 25 against Michigan. He had 20 last night against Wisconsin. It makes a big difference. And I thought Demetrius Lilly came off the bench when they needed him and gave them really good minutes in the center spot. I, I really thought that they might have been in trouble, you know, when when Wisconsin did get that two-point lead in the second half just because, you know, it's, it, you think that, you know, the number 11 team – might be able to take control there but like you said they did a real good job of of answering every time i think they tied it immediately in the next trip down the court they did they did and that makes a big difference when you can do that where suddenly you're down two and you miss a shot now you're down four or five Uh uh-oh now a problem sets in instead you're down two and like oh you're right back you're right back in it you're right there. 
And I thought that was critical. How many times did Wisconsin tie the game in the second half and Penn State immediately would come down the floor and score? And it just was the kind of game, A, they're capable of. I always love, well, it really played out. No, you're when you do something, you're actually capable of it. <laughs> I always love that. There is, there's a reason why you are actually capable, because you just showed that you can do it. And they were able to get it done last night. And I give the crowd credit, A, for being there, for goodness sakes. I mean, it was, what, seven, eight degrees outside? The wind chill was below zero? You're like, hey, hey. Um, I mean, I I know walking to class this morning, I, I had a 9 o'clock class I had to teach. Jeez, Todd, I walked from the parking garage over to the Borland building. Oh, it was brutal. <laughs> I got lucky this morning. My wife was home, so I didn't have to do bus stop duty, but she, she opted to drive drive our daughter up to the bus stop rather than walk, so yeah. sounds like it was a good choice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. And we've got, uh, what, Ben Jones tomorrow and Adam Rittenberg on Friday? Yeah, yeah, and it sounds like, you know, the longer we we, uh, we stay away from Adam, the, the more stuff goes on in college football. So mm. more, more Alabama guys in the portal yeah. today. Yeah, but I expect that. Uh, I think here's an opportunity for the Alabama players because they don't know Kalen DeBoer. Uh, you know, they went outside to get a guy with a head coaching pedigree. They don't know him. So I think the vast majority of the Alabama guys that are in the portal are trying to just find out what else is out there. But they have the option of staying as well. And that, you know, just because they're in the portal doesn't mean they're going. Uh, and now Isaiah Bond is going. He already said he's out, you know he's going to Texas, so he's done. But uh, that was uh, um, so. How many of them actually do go? We'll see. I mean, they were in this thirty-day window, just like the Arizona players are in the thirty-day window, just like the Washington players are in the thirty-day window. I was gonna say there's not there's not a lot of Washington guys left with the the senior class they had. No, there aren't. Yeah, two lead changes last night, seven ties in the game. Every time Wisconsin tied Penn State, Penn State went in front after that. That's you know seven ties last night, and that was in the end. It's that response we're talking about. Response meant everything in the game last night. Mm. Decided to get a little hot chocolate here <laughs> it, uh, during the show, so I'm taking a little sip here and there. I hope nobody minds. Has Has Kanye been that aggressive all season, taking the ball to the basket? Yes, yes, it's part of his game. Um, uh, that was part of his game. In fact, it was a bigger part of his where he's improved is actually as an outside shooter. Playing last year, especially at the end of the year, where he got more run. He was a drive uh, to the bucket guy. And I remember talking to Micah Shrewsbury about this, and I, and I talked to Mike about it as well. But Kanye had to really change angles 
as oh the suits in the building jeez <laughs> unbelievable oh I mean isn't there anything out there to sell all right uh but I said he has to take some different angles because in high school he could blow by everybody he could beat all five guys and get layups well now in this league you can beat three three and a half but you're gonna have to find an angle off the backboard to clear the last turtle that's the big guy and he's been able to do that he's done a better job of finding angles uh, but that that was that was really his game last year he really was not an outside shooter he, in fact I can tell you they're uh, in the big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament uh, he would take threes in the corner and he's wide open but I mean Todd he was open for a reason yeah all right, so you know now you don't want to ever leave him open because he now, because he now hits that shot, you're like holy mackerel, he's become exponentially more dangerous. I, I mean, you talked about hitting angles on that last guy. There's at least three that I can think of that I'm still not sure how he got how he got it over the big man and off the backboard and into the basket last night. I see it every day. And I can't tell you. <laughs> How about that? I see it every day. I can't tell you either. So it's just, you know, I give him all. I mean, he has just become an outstanding, prolific scorer. Uh, now, does he make mistakes? Sure, he makes mistakes. I mean, I can tell you right off the bat, a big mistake he made was at the end of the first half. You know, every once in a while, this is where youth comes into play. But at the end of the first half, he played hero ball. The play was all set up to go to Zach Hicks, who was having a really terrific night shooting the ball. And Kanye ignored him and shot it. That's why Mike was, you could see him, Mike, like, looking at him, like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's like, no. Okay? You can't do that. We had it set up for something else. I don't need you playing hero ball. But, but the vast majority of the time, he's played excellent basketball and excellent team basketball. I'm just saying that my my point on that is that he's not perfect, but he has done what heck of a job. Uh, he's played really well. And another plus is he's he's of the size that you know he's probably going to stick around for three or four years too, because you know well, at five ten, five eleven, you hope, <laughs> you hope, you hope, yeah. Todd. Because again, what 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 did we just talk about with Alabama? Well, yeah, and other people whispering in your ear too. Right. I mean that we're in that era. Right now, and that's that's why for coaches it's just such a pain in the neck to coach right now. Where normally in the past you'd feel good about, okay, hey, we're going to be fine here. We got, uh, um, you know, we got him for a couple more years. He's not going to move on. The whole thing. Well, not in today's, not in today's space. In today's space, you don't know what's going to happen. That's why you know retaining players. Um, uh, let's do this from a football point of view. Who would I rather have, Devon Ellis or a transfer tackle? Who would I rather have, Akeem Beeman or a transfer tackle? Who would I rather have, Nick Dawkins or a transfer center guard? Who would I rather have, and this will be the one that people go, oh, Keandre Lambert-Smith or a transfer wideout? Right? I'd rather have Beeman, I'd rather have Ellis, I'd rather have Dawkins, and I'd rather have Keandre Lambert-Smith. I know what I have. Okay? I know him. He knows us. And do I think he has the potential to be 
really good in Andy's system? Yes. Uh, as opposed to delighting the world, and we went out and got four transfer portal wide receivers. And yeah, you've got stats, and they played at different levels, but you don't really know until you actually get them. I mean, Penn State does a good job of researching guys. That's why you get a Chop Robinson, you know, a Derek Tangelo, an Arnold Ebicati, and you go through. And Dante Cephas was up and down this past year as a transfer portal guy for Penn State. Trey Potts was terrific. Uh, but would I rather have Keandre Lambert-Smith than somebody else in the portal? I'd rather have Lambert-Smith. That's me. It may not be what the fans say, but I think with the addition of Julian Fleming, Julian Fleming is exactly the kind of guy you need to bring into your program. High-character guy, goes about his business, knows how to play the game of football because he's not just a wide receiver with great hands. He runs terrific routes, and he blocks because he's a team concept guy. And you now put Keandre Lambert-Smith in combination with him and with Harrison Wallace. Hey, now I'm feeling way better about the wide receiving group because you got Fleming to come in and you kept Keandre Lambert-Smith. And you know, there fans will there will be a segment of the fan base that will disagree with that because they are not fans of how he played this year, especially in the last few games of the season. Well, you know what? I think that's a big plus keeping him. I'd rather have Ellie's than a transfer tackle. I'd rather have Beeman than a transfer tackle. I would rather have Nick Dawkins than a transfer guard center. I'd rather have Keandre Lambert-Smith. That's just me. All right? Well, the same thing with what we're talking about in the transfer portal with basketball. And you're going to have a transfer portal in basketball, you know, it gets up to be about 2,000 guys. I'm not kidding. That's not that's not an exaggeration. You have people looking to poach your roster all the time. All the time. We'll take a break. Back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Going up to Williamsport tonight. Hot stove dinner. Genetti's. Tim Kirchner will be there. Looking forward to being there. Uh, what players are going to be there, do you know? Do not know. Uh, you know what? Gabe Sinekropi gave me a list of guys. I think Kenta Colby's going to be up there. Um, but, yeah. That is uh, tonight. Looking forward to it. I had a free night, so I would go up there. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia. Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, best in new inventory, great pre owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. Terrific service department. 
that backs it up every step of the way. It's Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. So, uh, is the anger over the Eagles still there? I don't know. I, I think it's one of those things where <clears throat> I think most Eagles fans w- were prepared for Sunday or Monday night. I, I don't think a, I don't think the Eagles fans went in with a lot of confidence in that one. Oh, jeez. I mean, no confidence in them is well founded. Well, I yeah, <laughs> they didn't prove them wrong. Uh, no, uh, but. Look, uh, so let's get into a couple things, all right? And let's talk about Jalen Hurts for a moment because I think it's important to talk about that. We always talk about the quarterbacks and their ability to, quote, see the field, right? Well, it's more than just that. And this is where Tampa and others got him as time went. As time went. His ability to recognize blitzes and then what to do with it really came to the forefront as the season went. You could tell against pressure, he really had no idea what to do. And it's obvious. You can see it. Didn't know what to do. Part of that's preparation. Part of that's him. Um, And, look, he is a quarterback that we know can move. We understand that. Um, But let's be real about it. How often in his career in college did he have to run for his life and make plays? Hardly any. I mean, Alabama's offensive line, Oklahoma's offensive line usually protected him pretty well. What did the Eagles' offensive line do last year? They protected him a year ago really well. What didn't they do this year? They didn't protect him all that well. And suddenly he had to make moves, had to make plays moving, and wasn't good at it, and on top of that, did not see the field or where people happen to be. Part of that, and, and, and here's the next part. Brian Johnson is a play caller. Shane Steichen had such a great feel for it because you felt like Shane Steichen was cobbling together a plan as he called plays. And then the Eagles would get the lead, and what would he do? He would pound the ball, pound the ball, pound the ball. Brian Johnson, on the other hand, on the other hand, seems to be, quote, calling plays. 
Like, there's no sequencing to it. He's calling plays. And let's go back to the opening series. When Philadelphia beat Tampa in September, they ran the ball down Tampa's throat, right? Swift had a great night. They just ran the ball down their throat. Okay? So the first two plays of the game the Eagles run are running plays, and they picked up chunk yardage on both plays, right? And then what did he do? Threw the ball. Threw the ball. Threw the ball. I'm like, what are we doing here? What about going back to that? That worked. In other words, one of the keys to uh, being a good play caller is to have the ability to look around and say, you know what? That's working. We'll keep going back to that. Don't have to do it every single time. But... um, But you have the the ability to go back to it. When did the Eagles go back to something? Right? And they didn't. And when they got pressure up front, the Eagles offensive line, A, did not do a great job of recognizing it. And Hurts absolutely did not do a great job of recognizing it. Just didn't. Um, And that was... A big issue. Defensively, this is a team that had 70 sacks last year. They had 27 fewer sacks this season. They only had 43. What's the best friend for a secondary? Pressure. Got, yep, pressure <laughs> and what the guys do up front. The Eagles didn't get pressure. This team was a step to a step and a half off all season, even when they were 10-1. and one. And they, you know, they've got some issues moving forward. And the question is, have they missed their window? I don't know if they've missed their window or not. We'll get a better read on it next year. But the year after, because I said last year, they're in this great two-year, three-year window. I said this last year. So I'm not speaking out of turn. I'm not making it up as I go. I will always refer to something I said before, saying, hey, a year ago we talked about this. Right, that there's a limited window. Well, they've now let part of the limited window go by the boards. And now the question is, is the window still open or is it starting to close? And we don't know uh, what they're going to do because you have a quarterback that was considered one of the top five in the league a year ago is not considered one of the top five in the league now. Uh, You have an offensive line that was considered to be the gold standard that didn't play like it this year because they got older. They got banged up too. But they also got older. And you have a defensive front that was dominant last year that wasn't even close to doing that this year. We're even close. I mean, when your sacks get shaved by 40%, not good. And are they better than most teams in the league? Yeah, they are. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. Um, but 
Not completely. I mean, because they played so poorly down the stretch. I mean, who are you putting in front of? We talked about who the better team is. Whose future would you take right now, the Steelers or the Eagles? Well, the Steelers have a quarterback problem, Todd. Yes. I mean, they do. I, I don't know what. Um, I don't know what to say about them because we're sitting here. We're coming up on year three with Kenny Pickett. Is he the solution? My my question to that this whole time is: is you read off the list of the quarterbacks in the AFC, and who do you expect Kenny Pickett to be? better than to get you into the playoffs consistently? It's a good question. He's not better than Josh Allen. He's not better than Lamar Jackson. He's not better than Patrick Mahomes. He's not better than Joe Burrow. Right? Um, Aaron Rodgers we can debate. I mean, would you rather have Justin Herbert or Kenny Pickett? I'd pick Herbert. Yes. I mean, he's, not even, he's not even in the playoffs. Right? And I'd pick him. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of guys that are in front of him right now. And I mean, C.J. Stroud. Who would you rather have, Stroud, Stroud. or Pickett? Stroud. Of course you would. It sounds right. like Justin Fields might be in the block. I, would you rather have Justin Fields or Kenny Pickett right now? I'd rather have Fields. Yeah, I'd rather have Fields. Uh, it's just, um, he hasn't shown me much. Year one's year one. I can excuse that. Do I feel like he's a better quarterback today than a year ago? I'm not sure I can say that. Right? And I think it was, and and Mike Tomlin made the right decision when he said, you know what, let's go with the hot hand, let's go with Mason Rudolph. Okay, and guess what? He was right. I don't, I don't for a second question that decision because again. I don't see anything that Kenny Pickett that tells me he should have been the guy out there. He hasn't shown, he hasn't shown me that yet. And their running game, their offensive line, the Eagles had the gold standard of the offensive lines a year ago, but they got older. The Steeler offensive line, especially in the running game, is pretty good. They're almost right there with the Eagles. Tight ends, Goddard's really good. Firemuth, need, Pat needs to be a better blocker. He knows that. But as a pass catcher, he's outstanding. Zone, red zone, tremendous. Meanwhile, the other kid, Washington's a better blocker. Um, defensively, Watt would be the best player on the Eagles' defense. He would be the best player in almost any team's defense. All right? Uh, Highsmith is really good. Hayward's really good. Neither team has linebackers worth bragging about. And the secondary, I'd rather have Joey Porter Jr. than anybody the Eagles have. I mean, now part, you know, and for the Eagles, and I mentioned this yesterday, here's the issue. When you have a quarterback that you, quote, really don't have to pay, second-round pick, third-round pick, fourth-round, whatever it may be, 
that's when you need, need to take advantage of the window. The Dallas Cowboys did not do enough to take advantage of Dak Prescott's fourth-round salary. And then eventually they had to pay him. And in paying him, they lost their flexibility. The Seattle Seahawks did take advantage of Russell Wilson's third-round draft status and the money they were saving. And they put players around them. They re-signed their secondary, Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman, Keandre Lambert-Smith's uncle, Cam Chancellor. Um, you know, they were able to bring in Bobby Averill. They were able to sign Percy Harvin because they had a quarterback on a third-round salary. Okay. Well, the Eagles have had a quarterback on a second-round salary, and it it got them to the Super Bowl, but then eventually you do have to pay the man. And this year, they've got some flexibility. They've got a little bit of flexibility the year after, and really in year three they have almost no flexibility because of that contract. So this is the time to do whatever they're going to do. And... I don't, you know, now part of it is who you're playing, too. What are they going to do? I mean, are the Eagles better than the Giants? I mean, I know the Giants won the last game, but I mean, who knows who the Giants quarterback is? I mean, nobody knows. I mean, nobody knows if Saquon Barkley's coming back. I mean, he, I mean, he may be someplace else before it's all said and done. I mean, Washington? Sam Howell? Uh, I mean, Jalen Hurts is way better than Sam Howell. Okay. Um, but Dak, you can make fun of Dak Prescott all you want because it didn't advance in the playoffs, but I mean, realistically, it's a dead heat almost between the two as to where they are, and Dak may be a little bit better. Oh, no. Okay, remember, Jalen Hurts has had one great season. No other season he has had with Philadelphia has been great. It's been they've been very good, but not great. And again, his ability to recognize how to handle pressure, where to go with pressure, what the hot read is with pressure. He has a very limited feel for that. And you're talking about a guy that really in college was not pressured that often. I'm not talking about the pressure of games. I'm talking about the physical pressure of they're, they're here they come. Everybody is coming at you. Okay. Uh, and he doesn't handle that well at all. And he hasn't handled it well. I mean, he didn't handle it well against Kansas City. When he finally had to run for his life in the fourth quarter, he couldn't get it done. And the same thing during the course of the regular season, especially in the, in the, in the playoff game. I mean, they just were sending the house at him, and he couldn't handle it. I was going to say, it wasn't like, didn't look like it was anything exotic. I mean, you could tell on TV where the pressure was coming from. Right. No, it was not exotic. I mean, it was just, a, we're going to outnumber you, right? Which means we're going to go cover zero, which means somebody has to be open, and he had no idea what that open person was. No idea. None. And that's part of it. Um, I had somebody complain to me today. Um, that Howie Roseman was hugging the players one by one as they went into the locker room and that the uh, Eagle fans were disgusted by that. Like, what, what, what are you disgusted about? I, I don't get it. Okay, You have to understand what a team is. 
you have to actually be around a team to know what a team is. Right? Howie Roseman, in one form or another, signed all of those players. Okay? The season ended. What are you criticizing a guy for hugging each player going, what, because they lost? Okay, they lost. But it doesn't mean that there aren't personal relationships there that have been formed between the general manager and the players he signed. I mean, I, I hear ridiculous stuff like that. It's ridiculous. And I sit back and go, whoa. I mean, I have to address that? Like, all right, I'll address it. Is it it's a, but there's it's usually a few things on this show where I sit back and say, I have to address that? Okay, we'll do it. Yeah. Crazy. I, I think people expect them to, to. I don't know what they expect after teams lose. Like everybody goes into the locker room and just starts punching things, or I, I, I don't know. <laughs> well, who's who's the most who are the most disappointed people on the planet that the Eagles lost? Mm. Oh, I don't know the players, yeah. management, the coaches. Right? I mean, you're right up there with them as fans, but not to the extent they did. You didn't lift a single weight. <laughs> you didn't run any sprints. You well, know? you're not the one getting ripped and criticized. You well, know, it's it's a it's a little different ball game. Uh, and hey, what do you expect Howie to do? Like yell at them as they walk in, scream at them, that make you feel better? Hey, I'm going to scream at these players. Uh, I was like, I said, that's an odd. I thought that was a really, my personal opinion, a really odd criticism. I can't believe him. Like, what did he do wrong? <laughs> do anything wrong? I don't know. Some days I wonder. All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. All right, great to have you with us on the show today. Oh, we got a little respite here from the snow, but not cold. Sounds like it might snow again Friday. Yeah, I know. I got to fly Friday. Oh. Yeah, I got to fly to Columbus. It's not a long flight. It's like 50 minutes uh, to Columbus. It's like maybe 38 in the way back, It's yeah, which is no big deal. But still have to do it. Got a game at Ohio State Saturday at two. I assume me at noon. We're on at one. We're at games at noon. We're on at eleven thirty on um, Saturday, Value City Arena. <laughs> I just assumed you were in the Central Time Zone. <laughs> no, no, we do get into that sometimes. Um, I mean, but this is going to be a noon tip and a an eleven thirty air time. So, uh, and Ohio State's lost three in a row. Uh, one of them was to Wisconsin at home. The other two are on the road. They haven't won a road game since January first, twenty twenty-three. It's been almost thirteen months. Um, and yeah, uh, so you know they've been their shooting has been a little bit up and down. But Penn State's going to have to play them. Penn State's going to have to play the same way they played last night. Um, yeah, 
Um, they're mad that he's hugging players as they go into the locker room. Okay. Uh, why? It sounds like you're just looking for something at that point. You're mad about something. You need to find out what you're mad about. <laughs> well, I mean, you heard mad on Monday. Yeah. I mean, he's mad enough for the entire fan base. Um, I think he spelled it out for everybody about what he doesn't like. Um, everybody needs to be fired. Yeah. Uh, the uh, We're going to have Ben Jones on. We're going to talk about the athletic budget. Um, Penn State, I mean, obviously he made a... I think it was like $47 million out of football, made about a million out of basketball, men's basketball, lost money and everything else. Um, I mean, if you wonder why you don't add sports, I mean, that's the reason why. I mean, again, wrestling is the prime... Uh, they lost about 400000 on men's ice hockey. Uh, and they lost about 800000 on wrestling. Um, and... You know, and that's, that's the media contract's a big reason why wrestling loses, because they sell out. 